0: Hey Storytellers, this is Jules Dan here back with another Story Interview Framework episode and I've got a very influential and a very special serial entrepreneur. I, I've lost count how many businesses he had and he's been running and buying and selling. It, it's crazy. His name is Imi Tarek um, and I found him, it really intrigued me, just from his title uh, it seemed too modest from what after I heard. His, his title on Facebook was Forbes Top 20 Entrepreneur Investor. And then when I spoke to him, the amount of sheer drive and hunger and dedication, I've never ever heard anyone talk about. And oh man, just just hearing my voice. Okay, Imi is a real deal when it comes to um, he wanted something and it didn't matter whatever the obstacle that came his way he went ahead and freaking did it um a very very cool transformational story um especially if you like think and grow rich um this is like one of those success stories i guess you would say um and and obviously along the way you know i pick i try and slow them down is what i always like to do i slow people down i try and always follow up with why were you feeling this way um just to really clarify what the, his intentions and motivations were, especially if, say, we're going to put this inside of a promotion or an ad or anything like that. It's super, super important that you always follow up the why, and um, yeah, I do this a few times with Emmy along the way, but anyways, it's a ripper story I, I'm, I know you're going to really enjoy. It. I was just blown away after recording this, having the privilege to talk to Immy. But anyways, here's my conversation and today's Story Interview Framework with Imy Tarek. And of course, I'm going to leave um, just his Facebook in the link in the descriptions because this guy is uh, he's all over. He's got so many he's got so many fingers and so many pies right now. I wouldn't know what's the number one thing to link him to. Otherwise, here's the show. Yeah, Emmy, thank you for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. And uh, it's a bit of a crazy time right now, so I really appreciate you coming on to it. But I was wondering if you could tell my audience, because uh, I, I know you're doing uh, some pretty cool stuff right now. Could you please tell my audience um, sort of like the origin story, how it all started for, for you?
1: Sure. Thank you for having me, first thing. Um, so I started in business when I was 12 years old. And when I was 12, what happened was, is I basically wanted to make money because I was bored and I was homeschooled. And I just wanted to make money because I wanted to buy certain things, like Yu-Gi-Oh! cards at the time. And I didn't understand business it's like I do now. I just wanted to make money to buy Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and other things and go on holiday in different places, like Japan, for example. So I figured out a way to basically repair people's computers and how to get people's viruses off their computer, data recovery, and all sorts. And I just basically started doing that. When I was 12 to 15, I was making like 5000 to $8,000 a month.
0: Okay, nice. So you really had this entrepreneurial itch when you were a bit younger, just trying to make money. Um, was there any? What What did you want to do with that money?
1: Buy you your cars, go travelling. That was it. That's the two things I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's very simplistic. You know, you know, you just kind of just want that big vision when you're when you're a bit younger. Um, and how did it evolve into um, something? bigger and grander beyond um, you know, taking viruses and um, saving data and storage on computers.
1: So what happened was it, when I was 16, my mom went into a cardiac arrest and she got resuscitated and survived barely, but she, her heart function went to 21%. So I gave up my business, I blew it all up. I helped my dad who was a medical researcher to help her restore her heart function and we got her up to 46% heart function. Mm-hmm. And i studying been medical stuff for the next couple of years. And then my mom died when I was 19 at my aunt and my dad was assassinated when I was 20. So with that, I had no parents. So I had to finish for myself after that.
0: Wait, after we, after you were 20 years old, is that what you said? Yep.
1: My dad died I was assassinated when I was
0: 20. My mom died when I was 19. Okay. Oh, geez. That's that's pretty intense. And um, how did you feel in that situation when you were, um 20 years old and you pretty much got uh, your whole life ahead and you have to look after yourself?
1: How did I feel? Honestly, I was more distraught with my dad dying when I was thinking about what was ahead of me. I didn't have a grand vision at that time. I was just trying to get through my dad's death and find out why he was assassinated, with is not I going to go into here too much, but basically, I just really wanted to find out why he died. And I wanted yeah. to come to terms of my emotions and my grief. And after he died, a couple of weeks after he died, I went to get a job. I had a job for one day, well not a day, for a couple of hours, I quit. I hated it so much. <laughs> My pay was so insignificant. I'm like, it was 2000 bucks a month. I'm like, I made more as a 12-year-old um, to 15 than I'm making it a stupid job. I can find a way to make money online. Or, or yeah. not online, um, make money in London. So with it, I basically built a tutoring company that I helped my dad build before. I, because I've always passed clients, I started tutoring everybody, and I went to real estate. With, with one mission only in my head, my only grand vision was to leave the United Kingdom and go to the United States to study at medical school.
0: Nice. Okay. So that was a big dream. Go to the United States to go to med school. Um, and so what were the, so you, yeah, you, obviously that old you was like, God damn it. How do I make some money here? Um, did you have to f- raise some funds in order to, to get Well,
1: to- I had to figure out how to do real estate. And the reason I went to real estate was this. The real, when you go to the American um, school, uh, medical school, and you want to go as a graduate, graduate here anyway? You don't get any loans because you're not a US citizen or resident. I, I couldn't get a loan and I couldn't get a scholarship, so I had to basically raise four hundred thousand dollars just for the tuition.
0: Four hundred thousand yeah. dollars
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's great for, for one year or for four years. Four years, okay. But, but I'm okay, I, okay, be helpful, yeah. I wouldn't
1: have time to be able to make money after that. I knew that,
0: yep, yep, because you're going to be really preoccupied with your studies and, and whatnot. Um, so. Most people would kind of feel like, you know, 100K a year I'm studying medicine. That's it's a pretty big obstacle. Um, I'm going to say that your mindset was a little bit different. How, how did you view that situation?
1: Well, it was this. I, I didn't really care about 100K a year. I hated the UK so much. I wanted to leave. I screwed up my UK exam because I didn't want to do them. I didn't want to go to school in the UK so badly, but I screwed up my exams. I didn't care. I didn't pay attention. I fell asleep in the exam, and when when I did the US medical school entrance exam, I scored in the top 10% internationally overall.
0: Nice. Because
1: I wanted to do it, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna find the money. How do I do this? Or it's the obstacle. It's like I want to escape from this fucking country, no matter what it took. If I couldn't escape, I'd rather die. Is what I said to myself.
0: Yep. You, wow. That's a real deep purpose. Um, it goes deep, more, much more deeper than like you told me before. You just wanted to make some money online. Like you have to escape or you'll die. Um, most people don't feel that feeling, but actually right now people are kind of feeling that situation. Um, but that's awesome. Okay. You made the top 10% um, in the exam. Um, and then which, which university, which state did you Harvard end up going university. to? I, was, I didn't go in yet. I
1: dropped out before that, but I got into Harvard University and I left it.
0: Okay, and uh, we're going to hear the big reason why Amy did not take the Harvard uh, offer. So what happened?
1: I was doing medical school because I didn't want to come to the U.S. I had no purpose of visiting or drive, really. I was just working to, for the to sake of living. I had no direction in the world I wanted to go after my dad died. My entire life was lived under my parents. and after My dad died. Well, really my dad, actually. My dad pretty much raised me. I didn't really have a relationship with my mom that much. Um, she was with her, her families and stuff. My dad raised me since I was little. Because my mom was also sick when I was younger, very young, so my dad raised me. After my dad died, I didn't have really any purpose. For me, it was just an escape. And then what happened was, I got him at school because my dad really wanted me to go. I didn't really have a desire to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least I four, and I had met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. He said, look, you really want to go business, that's what you always talk about deep down, but you never think, why didn't you go into business? Now it's the time to take risks. So that's why I left school, because of my wife.
0: Well, good on her. And um, so, and then what, what well you, she she suggested this, but um, what was going through your head? Like, did you have to sleep on it? Did you have to go for a few walks? Um, when was that sort of, catal- when was that in, the, in your brain where it clicked over? You're like, holy crap, I should do this.
1: Um, what happened was a friend of mine, when I was trying to move to the United States, anyway, making a decision, he said he, he was a very good friend of mine, um, kind of, well, I would say a friend, this so is more of a mentor, actually. He said, look, I'll, I will support you and help you get to the United States. This does not really do anything for me, I forgot. I'm independent as a whole. But I went to read this book called Think and Go Rich. Mm-hmm. And Amy said that she wanted me to called The Greatest Salesman in the World. So I read The Greatest Salesman in the World first, I got hooked on it. Then I read Thinking go Wits, and I said, no matter what it takes, I'm gonna fucking get to the United States, and I'm gonna leave med school and fulfill my dreams, no matter what it takes. It's what I wanted to do when I was young. I got sidetracked because of my mom and my dad, and really, what I want to do is, is become fucking rich. That's my goal. I want to figure out anything else. I wanted to become wealthy, very, very wealthy. Like I made a couple million, but it was net worth. It wasn't like I spent the money, so it kind of didn't okay. really make a difference yeah. in my life.
0: Well, how old were you at the time though?
1: Twenty-two. The time I okay. made a million. Well,
0: yeah, it's to, to most twenty-two-year-olds, you know, a million dollars net worth It's it's not a bad, it's not a bad amount. Well, that's um, so a bit
1: more. So it's about five million.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's touch on those two books because, you know, someone might read the book once, twice. Um, but how did you take that book differently in order to really make a change?
1: So, with the greatest salesman in the world, I just loved the story about how the guy pursued what he wanted to get what he, um, the woman of his dreams and the money and everything else. I'm like, this is it, just resonated with me. And then when that's what I think thinking, go with, it was really the desire chapter when it talks about the burning desire and burning the boats. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's burn the boats. And in a day, if I'm so miserable here anyway, why not just commit everything to get to what I want? Yeah, That's where it became. It's like and my mentality been, and I always tell people this, maybe it's extreme, maybe it's not. I don't really care it's what works for me and what's for me every single time. If I want something so much, if I was to go to war, then there are three options. I retreat and hopefully I survive when I retreat. I surrender and hopefully I don't get taken prisoner and killed. Or, third is I fucking win and I take what I need to do to go back home. And yeah. I was like, retreat to stay miserable and die. If I try and I give up, then I was going to be in the same place. I'm like, to me, that was profitable. So, it's like, that was what it gave to me. So, like, I have to win or I'm going to have to die
0: nice that was my yeah, yeah yeah so so you really had this mentality of i would rather die than be taken prisoner or run away um and um it, it was i'm really curious because some people just don't wake up and have this this mindset um was there a particular moment in time that switched it on was there a, a sentence or a phrase in that book or you just sort there, of just had that it's that
1: entire chapter desire the burning desire Talking about it, when I read it and I reflected on it, I'm like, God damn, that that entire thing, to burn the boats to conquer the island, it was brilliant. And to me, as I this is what I want to do, is I want to burn my boats and get wherever I want to go to. No matter what the price was, I was going to do it.
0: Nice. Okay. So, burning the boats, that chapter of design, Think of Go Rich, that was, you you would say, your epiphany moment, your, your catalyst for making everything go a lot quicker. Is that right?
1: Yep. And to quit medical school this is why what? I quit medical school is because of that.
0: All right. So, and then what, what was your plan after that? Um, what were the next steps in order to reach your desire?
1: Well, cause I made money in real estate. I said, okay, I'm going to do real estate in America. So my goal, I got rejected twice by immigration for a B1 visa and an invested visa to come to the United States. Cause they said I was too young with too much money. They didn't understand how I so much money when I was so young.
0: What did they think you were a drug not- dealer or something? <laughs>
1: I don't know, they didn't tell me. I'm like, well, what's the, is that the reason? I'm like, well, we just figured you got an intent to stay there legally. I'm like, why would I do that? And was like, well, I think you can. I'm like, but that was the thing. So I had to get a lawyer involved. My wife found me a lawyer, who was a um, mom's ex-student because I wanted a teacher. And the lawyer got me in, um, my visa finally, and I got into the United States. And then uh, basically two weeks before I moved to the United States, after I bought the house in the United States, because um, I uh, um, went me back in the UK afterwards, the real estate, the economy crashed in the UK, so my money dropped from 1.6 dollars um, for per pound to
0: 1.4, and oh, then I got
1: sure. taxed what 70% at the same time. So I, I took about, and my family stole $1 million. So I took about three and a half million dollars here.
0: Just, just from uh, moving the country and uh, a bit of a market crash at the same time, Dan. That's a, that's a pretty big wake up call to welcome to America. But you made it there, so. Um, I got there. Yeah. You got there. Yes. Um, so obviously it's going to be a lot harder now, but that you still got that burning desire. Um, and so what were the next steps once you got into the country? So once all that I got to the program? United States,
1: what I did is, is I hired Bob Potter one on one personally. Like I worked with Bob Potter personally, not like his group program. I worked with him one on one, and he taught me about the desire further and if he can go rich. And basically, I we was going to set up another company I said, look, you need a million dollars in capital. Now, with the UK crash, I had no money to borrow from the capital there, and I didn't have any loans I could get in the United States. I'm like, okay, what business did I do? So he put me in the online mold. He said, if you can learn how to drive business and traffic, you'll always be in business.
0: Yep, that's like a double epiphany moment then.
1: <laughs> and he said, um, basically, he said the way he described it was this. Just imagine you have a store in the mall, but no one goes through it. How are you going to make any sales? He's a, he's a, you can't. Therefore, you make no money. It's the same for online.
0: And then that that moment when he told you that, did you already have the skills and knowledge to to do that? I didn't
1: know AdWords existed. Never no, my Facebook ads or anything else. I didn't know what AdWords was.
0: And what year was this? 2015. Okay, not too long ago. So you didn't know what AdWords were. Um,
1: Actually, I've never heard of any of the terms.
0: Yep. And is this where you started to learn this and then and make the most yeah. of it or? Oh, that's
1: that, that's why I learned everything it was in that year is my I thing. Now I applied for my immigration visa, but couldn't give me a green card for a year. So I went out to work. I want to get another work authorization. I had some money left over. I invested in everything I could. And I just worked all hours, 19 hours a day studying whatever I could books. I would go to Barnes and Nobles and then the weekend and I would study 20 books on a weekend in one day.
0: You just go to Barnes and Nobles as a bit of a library, you know, just scan through the books
1: I would read the books, all 20 yep. books in yep. one day. And I did that twice a day, um, both weekend, both days. For one year, I was studying and learning everything I could.
0: That is one big damn design. You know, not many people would actually have that sort of drive to do it. I'm very curious when it was, say, like eight, nine hours in and you're tired and everything else, most people ask would probably ask, how do you push through?
1: I wasn't even tired until I got to 12 hours. And when I got to 12, I started getting slower. I and mean, what it was, I pushed through. I still work often. I work 12 hours and 19 hours a day. Now, the thing is, like, for example, the coronavirus. I'm going to bore this situation right now. I desire skill and power. Because I know from my dad when he was assassinated, the people who were assassinated were so fucking powerful, I could never touch them. I couldn't even get his the deaths even tried in court, and no one could even think of they They removed the medical records of how he actually died. With that in mind, I, had, I knew what power could do when what it meant. And I was like, if emergency ever came up, I'd want to be able to have that power to protect my loved ones. That, to me, was my motivation protecting my wife. If I want kids down the line, I do not want kids down the line, but at the time, I wasn't sure. I'd like, if I had a kid, I never want to be powerless. I want to be able to protect them. And to do that, I need to be able to gain power. To gain power, you can't just do it from nothing. You have to gain skills and you have to work hard and you have to push for it. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have a compelling reason that means so much to them on a different level that they're willing to pay any price to get it. Everyone's just trying to think about, like, freedom. I'm trying to think about how do I leave a legacy in a generational world and a dynasty.
0: Yep, yep. So... It really comes to, like you had that defining moment with your with your dad and and um you know them taking completely you know erasing how he died and you realize how powerful that was, um and that's the power that you sort of wanted, and um.
1: Well, for that was, not I wanted for protection. To
0: yeah, me, my exactly.
1: very, very important.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and um. Okay, so now we really know that your, your real motivation, your desire to just push through everything else that most people would feel completely uncomfortable doing. Okay, how, many, how long did, were you doing um, your deep studies for you know, 19 hours a day, learning everything you can? How long, sorry?
1: One year. And then while I did a study, I was experimenting in the studies. So studying to me was reading, learning, listening, videos, and trying things out all the time. Yeah. I perfected my craft.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then um what was the what was the result of you doing all this experimentation, learning and trying every year?
1: What happened was is I learned how to do SEO and I learned how to build companies, I understand understand how frameworks work in business, how to scale a business model regardless of what it is, what publicity it is, how to sell, how to market. For example, my first sales my first business I had in America, when why sold for me because I couldn't sell. To compensate for that and learn, I studied 500 books on sales in a matter of three months Dang,
0: to learn that. how
1: to sell. Yep. Just so I could get good so I could make sales and grow the business. That's how hard I worked on it. Because I knew that if I wanted to succeed, I would have to learn the skills that's necessary. And I, once I got good at the technical stuff, I, I came into the road bump or not being able to sell. Once I got over the ability to sell, then I had to get over the ability that people wanting to trust me. Um, and retain them. And once I got past that, life was a smooth sailing and then I started expanding out.
0: Yeah, okay. So we're getting like the cliff notes here, but I want to kind of figure out, so how many books did it really take for you to sort of, of the sales books, because you know, selling's most important skill in entrepreneurship. How many books did it really take and some role play and some real period of suckiness and before you started to really feel like it clicked?
1: Okay, for role playing, I would role play for an hour to an hour and a half a day. Mm-hmm. In my head, I would visualize practicing the tone, my posture, my words, my language, and everything I would do. I'd practice and practice and practice, and then I would go and experiment and try it. And it took ages to get good at cold calling. Right? I don't know how many calls I did for cold calling. With cold emails, it took years. I got good at cold emails about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Right? Um, but I just practiced. I got good at closing within about three to four months after I started studying all of that. And i brought it down to seven books, right? But what it took was, I remember my philosophy is, if you have something so great to you, what is the price you want to pay for it? The thing is, people talk about goals, but what is the price you want to pay for your goals? What does it mean to you? For me, power is, is one of the reasons I work at hard. That's one of the reasons. But it was because I protect my wife and my family. I never want to be in a situation where I'm powerless again. That's true, that's one of the big reasons. But the other reason is, Maybe it's because I when I was very young as well, I never wanted to be average. I always wanted to be the best. And to be the best, it comes out of price and it means you have to put equity in. A lot of people talk about dream, but I don't want to put the square equity in.
0: Mm, yep. So it's it's uh you had a really strong mentality for winning at an early age and um you wouldn't take second place. At all. Uh,
1: to the point, but I would cry when I lose board games when kind I of was young. Until I was probably about thirteen, even if I lost games, uh, I hated losing that much.
0: Well, that's a really common trait. I'm starting to see that people just do not accept a loss, and that is especially with the part. The first part you said that you want to be in control and have power. Um, sounds like a really two two really strong motivating factors. Um, and um, so okay just a recap here okay we've learned you've learned how to be the master closer you learn to be an excellent cold emailer scale and grow companies um all these skills that you know people take a lot longer to learn and you've just condensed it into a year um then then what, what started to happen because of that
1: started to happen is well give it like um so the technical skills took a year, the sales skills and the marketing and all that took it to ever grow my business a month from there. So about 18 months. What happened is I started growing my businesses by drastically and quickly.
0: And what were those businesses?
1: So I had a SEO agency, I had a Facebook agency, I had e-commerce stores, I had a bunch of different companies.
0: Nice. Okay. You're running like what, four businesses at the same time?
1: I was running seven at the time.
0: Seven. Okay. Um, wow. And so um, during that process, were there, were there, was there any sort of maybe imposter syndrome or um, questioning like how am I supposed to do this or were you just like guns blazing the whole way through and just crushing it? I
1: always question myself every day. But I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I have enough faith and confidence in myself. I know what I'm doing to get it right. And if I can't get it right the first time, I'll make mistakes and I'll figure it out. Because my favorite quote is, the impediment to action advances to action. What stands in the way becomes the way. I just knew that if something goes wrong, I could adjust it and fix it.
0: Yep, yep. Now, and that yeah. was my
1: mentality. So I never thought about imposter syndrome. like, how do I adjust and fix what I don't want?
0: Okay. How do I adjust and fix what I don't want? What happens if, um, you know, you're, in, you're walking into your day and you've got your seven companies and there are, two, let's just say there are two fires per company. So you've got 14 fires to put out and build a business. Um, what What would you really tell yourself in your, in your head during that situation?
1: What I would do is first diagnose what department is it coming from. Once I know where the fire is coming from, I would get the person assigned to solve it or come up with a plan to solve it. And then I have them execute it. Or I might come up with a plan and get someone to execute on it.
0: Nice. Okay. You got a very systematic, very cool, calm, and collected way of dealing with things um, rather than running away. I really, really like it. Um, okay. So when you said you had seven companies, I'm still in shock about that. Um, how many years down the road, would you say it was 18 months down the road um, after you started learning? Pardon?
1: Yeah. Well, a year from when I started learning um, to go, to be able to get the technical schools in, but six months I that to really go on the, off, the offline ones anyway the SEO agency, the Facebook ad agency. That took about six months to get the skills. When wife was selling for me at the time. I was making money. Don't get me wrong. i was making six figures a year. But it was never like, it was like low six figures. I wasn't making like high, high six figures until I became very good at sales.
0: And that was the shift that you needed to make in order to to scale everything else?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Once I do not have become good at sales, everything became easy. Okay. I <laughs> psychology heavily. <laughs>
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, was there a particular moment where you suddenly like maybe you're losing one call after the next? Um, I want you to really paint the picture for my audience. When was that moment where you kind of were like, holy crap, like, I just can't let this continue anymore. I have to master sales.
1: It was uh, my first week when I made no sales. I'm like, damn it, I, I really suck at it. People were saying I was too fast, as a talker. People were saying my accent didn't trust me. They didn't like my name. I had a lot of setbacks. I'm like, how do I adjust? And I had friends, mentors—well, mentors—that's to say, but it was a friend at the time—and my wife to support me and teach me how to adjust. And it was just pushing through. I had no choice but to push through. Had to learn to adjust. I'm like, if I don't. I'm not gonna be able to scale these, and I'm gonna be dependent on my wife. And she wasn't well at times. So it's improving, but it's still unwell. I'm like, I can't rely on her. We're never gonna have the that we desire. And my bills at the time, let's put it this way: so I had a seven thousand square foot home at the time. Yep. That seven thousand square foot home, the gas and electric bill was eight thousand dollars a month.
0: That's crazy, <laughs> just for
1: utilities. Right? Yeah, and this not even the water bill or the lawn care or the property taxes on that. Just yep. to think open cost me 10 grand a month to live it. I got rid of that house because there's a fucking money pit.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> right? But I was spending ten grand a month on that fucking place to maintain it. I knew that we we're thinking it's like crap. We're spending so much money, money's gonna get tight if someone goes wrong in the business. I I just knew I had to figure something out.
0: And then that's that's when you figured out the 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 key was get better at sales, maybe move out of that home.
1: But well, we are going to move out of the home eventually anyway. I was planning to. I didn't like Indiana. I needed my immigration to go through. But I will like, stay there until we moved out of Indiana. And I did yep. stay there until I moved out. But my, um, I had to work for my immigration. But yeah, it was fucking hard work to like... It was stressful, dude. It was very stressful. Imagine you paying 10 grand a month in bills.
0: Hey, just for your home. That's not including yeah, everything
1: food else. Food. That's not yeah. even paying for your food, for your clothes, for going out. Just to have that home. Have everything working. You're paying 10 grand a month.
0: Yeah. So it was a big relief when you got rid of it, I imagine.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, all right. So you've mastered sales. You've got your seven companies. You realized that you have no choice but to push through and get better at it and actually succeed. Um, what, what, were the, what were the next steps? What really happened after that moment?
1: Well, what I realized is, is I said, um, after I got my immigration. We moved over to Florida. And basically, I said to my wife, and I started meeting certain people, my life changed very quickly because I'm a big fan of environment and osmosis. Osmosis, as I call it, is, I always say to people, people say, um, your friends are your net worth. I say, bullshit. Your friends are everything. And, it's not, and you can go as far as to say, but the guy named David Barkas, or Barkas, or what it's called, um, he got a book called Friends of a Friend. He shows that you're not the average of your five friends, but you're the average of all your friends. And maybe average of their friend, which in turn can affect you. So I changed my entire network. And when I had in London, I got rid of everybody. And I'm, like, I'm going to change my life, I'm going to change my circle, and I'm going to start creating opportunities like never before. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have that many people anywhere in London left. My family, as I told you, ripped me off a million dollars. I didn't speak to my family at all. But I had a, f- a couple of friends that I still spoke to I got rid of all of them. I'm like, I need to change who I am if I, and I need to work and think differently if I want to get to where I want to go.
0: Um, and Sorry, continue.
1: As I said, to make liquid millions or to build a humongous net worth, I need to act differently. And to act differently, it becomes a lot easier when you're hanging around people who act differently. The conversations were different. When I hang around with these guys, they're talking about making 10 million and buying two homes for $5 million each. Yep, In the same yep. neighborhood, on the same street, opposite roads, the first yeah. side of the road. like, yeah. next to each other. I'm about one road there, one road there. But the same side, one road, same road, one house there, one road house there. That's how it literally was. And like, when I started my circle of change, I was like, okay, I started picking up my habits, that believe, and I started learning to change my mind, and I scaled my business for it. And I said, okay, to get these guys who trust me further and do business with me, versus my existing clientele, I need something they don't have. And to me, that was publicity. Like, realize, if I can get publicity, I'll be seen as the expert to these guys. Everything else I am, fast talker is coming development. They won't be associated with me. Because London is all about status and culture and the status. And I knew I could apply this game to the very wealthy here. It was no different. I don't know why I thought it was different in, in America, but it's actually even more so in certain pockets at that game. And if you want to reach out to very, very powerful people, you need an introduction to another powerful person. And then you've got to add value to these guys. If you can add value, you will get a relationship built with them. If you can't you want
0: something from them, we're going to get rid of you permanently. Okay. So this is really interesting. So you've taken down the road of, you know, some people might actually be afraid of having to let go of their close circles when they're younger, but you had that desire. You, you knew you had to sort of let go of the old networks and embrace the new people. And um, in order to climb up that sort of ladder, you knew you needed publicity. Um, and um, the thing that really gets me curious is that you said in order to really get ahead is that you needed to give value to those A players. And I'm um, just curious, how did you give value to those big players?
1: What I had to do, so let's talk about the social ladder first and letting go. And I'll bring it into a risk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the first thing I realized is they did very well for people. The first thing they put first is their families. They really care about their families. There may be many things and many people, but to me, there are people who care about the family more than almost anybody. They are more selfless than most people, in my opinion. I think selflessness is very different from what most people call selflessness. To me, selfless is someone who will not pay the price to give their family the best life they can give. And with that in mind, it's like, okay, to let go. If I'm letting these people affect my environment and who I am, not giving my wife the best quality of life I can give her down the line, but paying the price now is that I'm being selfish. I thought it would have been the most selfish thing in the world. And like, I can be whatever people want to call me. I don't care what they call me from here on out. If it means I'm horrible, I'm a narcissist, abusive, crazy, um, gold digger, I didn't care what I was called. I'm like, i I would do what it takes because to me, if I want to have kids with my wife, because I do. And I want to give my wife the best quality of life and I can't pay the price that is necessary to give her that life. Then how can I ask to be her husband? And how can I ask to have kids with her and I can't give my kids the best opportunities in life? Because money is all it does is allows you to put opportunities. It's not some great thing that people think it's gonna give you power, it's all that. All it does is give you the opportunity to give your kids, your wife, the peace of mind, the freedom and the, the best opportunities in life down the line. For example, you want a New York Times bestseller. You want a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Just take around with a bookseller, because I bet a lot of people are going authors here or want to be authors or speakers. It takes money to build an audience, or it takes time to sort equity. You can take it over years, or if you speed it up with money. Money doesn't come out of thin air. To do that, right, to build an audience, then you have to meet the requirements with the media for New York Times bestseller. For example, you have to get traditional media as well as um, online media. Right, traditional media is not going to come for free, and you know, who's got the time to do traditional media to get in your time bestseller? As well as do a book promotions, hardly anybody. To do that, you're going to have to hire a PR agent. That takes money. Life takes money to be able to advance your mission to reach millions of people. Why do you want to reach a million people, a hundred thousand people? You do need money to reach that people. Unless you want to pay for equity, you want to do it faster. It's going to take money. Yeah. There's no way yep. about it. Yep. Yep. So yep okay. That, okay. So, so I understood that. And so what happened was, is I said, okay, so what I did is, okay, if I want to get around these people, I need to free up my time. I stopped hanging around with the people who were holding me back because I was time with them. Like, a lot of people probably didn't have the beer at the bar or watching the game. I cut out everything that slowed me down time-wise. I'm like, okay, what do these people need? As I interviewed them, I'm going to help them out find out what they needed. I knew they needed certain things. I found what they needed and I connected people who could solve it or I figured out how to do it myself and help them. Then I got my, and I helped them with several things and I got their trust and they started paying me. Whilst building my own credibility up with my reputation in PR.
0: So you started to be the connector in a sense. And yeah. uh, that really boosted your status.
1: It boosted my status. It boosted my credibility. I got media. People wanted the media themselves. I helped them get the media. I helped them fix their reputations. They came to me like, how do we grow our businesses? I became a resource and connection that everyone wanted to be around in my network and that's all I did genuine giving I'm not a person like oh if I give you this how can I get this back from you like, I just wanted to create relationships with the people But if something I studied a lot of people who went from success to failure and so, yeah. and then people who recovered from success to failure back to success they had relationships they were, and they honored those relationships and these people would help them out and I'm like, the only way you're gonna recover from a loss is having relationships that matter, so you can bounce back. And that was my mindset. If I could build genuine relationships, help these guys, no matter where they act, as long as they have the mindset to do with, they will probably pay me back, if it ever came to it. And that was my mentality.
0: Yep. So, you uh, creating those genuine relationships and. Um, getting to that point that was your that's a real big transformation then when you started as a 12 12 year old trying to make money um paying the bills and stuff um it's a really cool transformation along the way um and i know we start but before we started the call we said what was what's the end objective of the story you wanted you wanted to tell and that was to create the right environment um and start living the way you wanted on your own terms and um it sounds like we've gone to the extra part. Cause I know you've got a lot more extra stuff um, in your journey, a lot more details. Um, but if there's anything else you'd like to fill in the blanks at the end there. Um, yeah, sure.
1: It. So what I've also realized is, is this, a lot of people can't come to me. and I often say, when I say, who is your friend? Cause some of your find that say your future. And they're like, Oh, so-and-so and stuff. And they're like, we can't get rid of them. I'm like, guys, if you think about it this way, Your friends that you may want to thank, you say that you want to be friends with people who want to be friends with you. But everyone wants to be friends with you for a reason. No one's gonna be friends with you for no reason because you want to be friends with someone because you enjoy their company. You want to be friends with someone because they're a good listener and they make you feel better. They solve your problem. People want to be friends with someone because there's a kind of benefit they feel. Yep. So if you're going to do it, why not be with the people who are going to quit the environment to let you live in, on your dreams and your terms and get the people who are going to help you give your family the best life, the best opportunities and make it win-win. Yep.
0: That's, that's a really good way to finish off. Right. Um, Amy has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. If, if this is, uh, I know you've got quite a lot going on and different little things. Um, if You'd be more than welcome to have your little 30-second plug. Um, where, where can people find you? What are you working on next? That's really exciting. Whatever you like, go for it.
1: Okay, people can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. as in Tarek. What I'm working on right now is basically getting more publicity for myself and buying up with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Do you want
0: to say that again? I can edit that out. That's all good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so people are basically my what I'm doing right now is, is digital companies. I'm buying digital companies and getting more myself more publicity. That's what I'm focusing on right
0: now. Just growing and growing. Yeah, nice. Amy, thank you so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets.
1: Thank you so much.
0: There you have
2: it. That is the full episode of Amy Tarek's story. um A real true success story that follows i think the think and grow rich book um and you know you, you, you might hear a few airy fairy ones that are going around but um holy crap and, and before i call um it was actually kind of interesting because he said i'm in the middle of, a, of, of buying 23 businesses um <laughs> So it was a real challenge for me to say, okay, so what's the clear direction of our story we want to go here? But we got there in the end. um, and I'm I'm super pumped to release this. Um, And yet, that's it for today. I'm going to see you Monday for the next episode of Storytelling Secrets for our solo show. And I'll see you next week. See you later.